Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week I'm talking all about the summertime, what it means for us as yoga professionals, and how to care for ourselves during the summer. Now, you may have noticed if you're a regular listener of the podcast, I myself took a few weeks off this summer so that I could spend time with my family and honestly so that I could catch up. You may or may not know this about me, but not only am I a yoga studio owner, longtime yoga teacher, yoga therapist, podcast host, I am also a mom. I have two kids who are still in school. And so for those of you listening who might also be parents or caregivers who are also trying to balance that sort of summertime juggle of being both a parent and caregiver and a professional, I hope you know that I am here with you in solidarity. It is hard work and it is difficult to navigate that balance between how we want to show up for other people, these small humans who we love to take care of, and how we show up for ourselves and our businesses. So let's talk summer. Most of the time for us, summer means slow for yoga professionals. It also means fast and busy for us in our personal lives. If you listen to the previous episode that was posted, my friend Steph Galante talked about how, especially in North America, North Americans go really hard in the summertime. We have barbecues and parties and picnics and vacations and all kinds of stuff that happens for us in the summer. And as yoga professionals, we get ice cold. Now, how do we cope? I've got a few different strategies and some suggestions for things that you can take into these last six or seven weeks of summertime. Now, before we begin, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, the online self-care studio. Check out their summertime self-care blog at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog. And if you really want to support my work, the best thing you can do for the podcast is to hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you get your podcast from. That really shifts the metrics so that those algorithms that those podcast hosting companies have will show my podcast to other people like you who might be interested in connecting with people who are yoga professionals around the water cooler. Now, let's talk about the noise and quiet of summer. So like I was referring to before, there is noise in our personal lives in the summer. Oftentimes, if you're like me and you're caregiving because you have kids, there is things to do, lessons to take your kids to, 
jobs that you're running them to. And there is quiet in our professional lives as our students are doing the same thing. They may be off on vacation. If you're a studio owner or really active in a studio, you might notice people are canceling their memberships in the summertime. That is because people have other lives. They have things to do outside the yoga space. But what happens to us yoga professionals is I think this summertime sort of vibe tends to make us feel really nervous because that noise of our personal lives, that busyness, the activity of vacations and the doing of the things, that costs money. And that is money that we are not actively getting in the quiet of our professional lives during the summertime. Now, as we go through the year, we're going to start talking a little bit more about what it means to be financially planning as a yoga professional for the future, for these quiet times, because yoga is a seasonal business. It will always be a seasonal business. We will not be wild and crazy and busy all 12 months of the year. But what do we do now? Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is you. One of my big focuses this summer is on how self-care and yoga professional relationships can go together. And we're going to start with ourselves. When I was little, my mom used to enroll me in all sorts of lessons. I had piano lessons, tennis lessons, swim lessons. I did the theater, all the things. And the reason that she always said to me was that she wanted to raise a quote-unquote well-rounded adult. And I sometimes think we as yoga professionals can get so singularly focused on yoga and wellness and health that we become less well-rounded adults. I'll tell you a story. This was 13 years ago when my son was just two years old. I did not own a yoga studio yet. I was just an independent contractor yoga teacher. And there was an aerial yoga workshop that was being hosted by one of the yoga studios in town. And I signed up and a few of my friends signed up and all of us that went, we were all mothers who had children who were less than three years old. And we sat around in the circle with this teacher and the teacher sat and asked us what we did for fun, essentially what we did to support our own hobbies. And the blank looks on my face and my friend's faces as we have young children we are unable to get out much. This workshop felt like a real treat to all of us at the time. We all just looked at the teacher and went, well, we do yoga for ourselves. And she looked incredibly disappointed. Now, this teacher then went on to tell us about all of the like, oh, you know, I go and do a spa day when I need some time for myself, or oh, if I can manage it, I go to Bali and I spend a few weeks in Bali. And it was exactly what you think that sort of like white woman wellness sort of toxic wellness culture answer was. Now, this was before we had language for that sort of toxicity. And I will say that a friend of mine that I made at this workshop has followed this teacher around. And this teacher was an incredibly profound teacher for her. So not everybody was having the same experience that I was having in the room. But it did make me think as we were all sitting there and my friends and I were going, well, (laughs) we try to get sleep and also uh, we do yoga when we can as our hobbies, 
that I actually needed some real hobbies, some things that I was doing for myself just out of enjoyment. It wasn't a job. I wasn't getting paid for it. That also brought me joy, fun, excitement, interest, and I want that for you too. So these last six weeks of summer, cultivate a hobby, pick something new. This summer, I am teaching myself how to watercolor paint. I am not good at it at all. And it is something I've been wanting to do for so long. So pick something, get excited about not being good at it and do something just for the joy of learning something new. I also want you to think about this idea of balancing yoga as our job and yoga as our own spiritual practice. This same incident, this story of what do you do for fun that was asked to me 13 years ago in an acro yoga workshop got me thinking about how difficult it is for us as yoga professionals to balance our yoga practice for our own personal liberation, because that's what we're here for. Yoga is a personal liberation practice with us practicing for the students whom we teach and love. I remember at that time really thinking about, I had been using yoga very clearly at that time because I also had just gone through a divorce and I was a single mom with a two-year-old all by myself at home. And I was really going through this whole process of using yoga to help my own spiritual development. And that part of the yoga practice was just for me. I was you know, I tell these stories in different sorts of workshops. I have a Sankalpa workshop that I teach where I tell the story of the first time I took on the Sankalpa. And that was for my own personal liberation. But there were also moments when I was hitting the mat where I was thinking about my students and not thinking about myself. I was thinking about, oh, Mary has a shoulder challenge. So maybe today I'm going to try and pretend like I have a shoulder injury and see what her experience would be like on the mat and how I can offer adjustments or assists or variations for her so that the practice is more sustainable. Or Bob came in and Bob has low back issues. So I'm going to see if I can work on low back series in my yoga practice this week so that I can teach that to Bob and Bob's class next week. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to deliver a really great product. And that was something that was so important to me at the time was that I was delivering this really great yoga class. But also, the line gets really murky between practicing for other people and practicing yoga for yourself. Um, This may be an experience that only a few of us have had. I know I've spoken with other yoga teachers who have said the same thing. So if that's you, I want you to think about where that line is. And especially in the summertime, it is a great time to slide back into making sure that our yoga practice is for ourselves. What things do you want to develop and change that are just for you? And how can your yoga practice support that? Finally, as we're thinking about ourselves this summer, I want you to think about fun enjoy in your relationship with it. Go play, have some fun, get creative, be silly. Those things really can be nourishing for us. And actually, if you bring that sense of fun and silliness and play into your yoga classes during the summer, I think you'll find a very willing and receptive audience. There's a lot of data and research showing up, showing us how the ability to play as adults is really, really important. 
So I want that for you. And I want you to be able to offer that to other people. Now, the second part of your summertime assessment is to reassess how you are teaching and what you are teaching as a yoga professional. I think the summertime is a great time to look back at everything that has happened since January and decide what is working for you and what isn't. I'm going to give you some steps on how to do this because the first step is kind of a doozy, but I am a firm, firm believer in it. I want you as a yoga professional to give out a survey. Now, this is something that I did actually New Year's Eve and New Year's Day is my favorite holiday. And so as a gift to myself on New Year's every year, I would hand out surveys to my students in all of my classes. And it was just, I mean, it was not professional. There's so many amazing survey things that you can email people if you wanted them to email them, if you wanted to email them. But I honestly just printed these like tiny surveys out on my printer and I took them to my classes and I brought a whole bunch of pencils And I asked people to fill out my survey and it was pretty much like, how do you like my classes? What do you want more of? What are you missing? Any other comments? It was three things, right? And I asked people not to sign their names. To me, it was really important that I didn't know who was writing the feedback, but that I just got the feedback. And I gave it out to everybody. And I think you'd be surprised that if you give people the opportunity to give you even a couple sentences of feedback, that they will be more than willing to do that. So I want you to take a survey of all of your students and be brave and really read that comment section. I think you're going to be surprised. Overwhelmingly, people are people who are regulars in your classes are going to say, I love you. I love what you do. Thank goodness you're here. All those things but you're gonna look for those little nuggets of true feedback and figure out what you can take from that, what you can shift, what you can change. And maybe you don't take any of that feedback, but it's really important that you get it. So I'll tell you a story about one year when I handed out the survey and I was well known for it because I would go to even the yoga studios that I taught at and I would tell the owners, I would say, hey, I'm going to just take a feedback survey for my students and this is just for my own edification. I want to get better as a teacher, so I hope that's okay. I'm not asking anything about the studio. I'm not asking anything about the experience at your business. I just want feedback about me as a teacher. And of course, everybody said, okay, because everybody wants to employ someone who wants to get better at their jobs. And this one year I had made a really big shift in my teaching. I had noticed that from early on, very early in the aughts, 02, 03, one of my first teachers was an Iyengar teacher. And so she relied very heavily on physical assists. She would go around the room and she was actually my first 200 hour yoga teacher trainer. And she would go around the room and she would say, if you're not giving physical assists to people, we called them adjustments at the time. If you're not giving adjustments to people, what's the difference between what you're doing in class and what people are doing when they're watching a video? And so I was taught that that was something as a yoga teacher teaching in person that we were supposed to do. Now, I realized over the years that that wasn't necessarily working for me. 
one of the things that was happening was that I realized I was relying on physical assists to give people the message that I should have been saying with words. And I had noticed that about her and a couple other teachers who taught in this manner as well. I was taking a class one time and actually the same teacher would communicate with her students as she was sort of, you know, manipulating their bodies as we do in manual assists. And she was communicating with like noises, right? Like, mm, ah, ooh, mm. And maybe you've been in a class like that. Maybe if you haven't, that sounds really silly, but this was like her signature, right? She would be telling you if you were doing well based on the sounds that she was making out of her mouth, you know? So if, if you were doing what she wanted you to do, she'd say, ah, and you would know, oh, I did the thing, right? Oh, I was doing the thing. And if you weren't quite there yet, she'd say, ah, and you go, oh, uh oh, okay, I'm not doing the thing. But there was one day in this class where she made a sound that was sort of like, ah. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Did I do it right? Did I not do it right? And after class, I had kind of asked her. And what I had realized was that she was presuming I was having some sort of internal experience that I was not having. And so she had been taking words out of her teaching because she was trying not to get in the way of this internal experience I was having. And I was like, actually, that's really confusing for me, even as at the time I was a yoga teacher. And so I started going, okay, I want to get better at using verbal cues. So I stopped touching people. I stopped giving assists altogether. Now I told my classes I was doing this and I said, you know, this isn't anything about you guys. This is all about me and wanting to develop a different skill. And that year when I gave that survey out, half of those feedback forms were, I really miss assists. I really miss your hands-on adjustments. How do I know if I'm doing it right if you're not coming around and adjusting me? And I would say at least a third of the probably 50 surveys that I got back that year, said some form of, I like physical assists because then I know I'm doing it right. And I realized that those physical assists were never going to come back in my classes again because I was assuming people were having a different experience with them than they actually were. What they were experiencing was that they were wrong and what I was doing was making them right. So that was a really big shift in mindset for me that all came from a survey that I didn't listen to the results of because I did not go back and decide that I was going to assist people. That came from that survey that I gave out. Now is a great time of year to sort of survey your students, ask them what they've been loving, ask them what they're missing, and then decide if you are going to adjust how you're teaching based on what the feedback is that you're getting your students. Now, as you decide this, as you're reading these surveys and choosing very clearly to not take them personally, I want you to be brave, don't take them personally. Use them as a tool to get better at your job. And I want you to be quiet. Slide into sort of a meditation for the week or two weeks after you get those survey results back and really sit with how you want to show up as a yoga teacher. What feedback were you given that can help you adjust how you want to show up, even if it's an adjustment that is the opposite of what they're asking for, like what my experience was. And as you've sat in that quiet moment with yourself this summer, 
plant some seeds that you're going to harvest in the fall. Make some small shifts and changes so that you can adjust how you're teaching for the next (coughs) four or five months. Now, as you're reassessing those classes, I want you to slide into one more mindset change for the summer. I want you to remember that you matter. I saw this post a few weeks ago by one of my favorites. She's actually a marketing coach for life coaches. And she talks a lot about how we need to remember that our needs matter. And so she did this thing that was your needs are greater than your business's needs are greater than your client's needs. And we often feel like it's the inverse, that your client's needs matter the most, then your business needs matter second, and your needs matter last. And that's backwards. So this summer, I want you to think about what your needs are. Really look at the classes you're teaching. Really look at the style of classes you're teaching. Have you always wanted to be a slow restorative yoga teacher, but what you are getting hired for is those hot power vinyasa classes? Do you need to let go of something in order to pursue the career that lights you up? Now, I am a firm believer that we, the next generation of yoga teachers, we will have to choose the careers that light us up first. So often in the past 10, 15 years, we were sort of accidentally stumbling on these classes and just saying yes because we thought that we had to say yes and that was how we worked. Let's change that narrative. Take some time this summer in these slow weeks sliding into Labor Day to really assess Are you teaching the classes you want to teach? Are you teaching the way that you want to teach? Are you shifting towards the career that you want? I cannot express to you how many times I hear from people, oh yeah, I really want to do what you did. I really want to move into yoga therapy, but I really don't have time to do that because this hot power flow class schedule that I'm teaching means that I don't have time to move into the therapeutic realm of things. In order for you to say yes to the career, the job, the life that you want, you're going to have to say no to other things. So make sure you are making space and time in your schedule to shift in the direction that you want to be shifting in. Let's cut out all that extra noise from the summertime, the noise of our personal life, the really loud noise that is the quiet of our professional lives right now, and shift into something different. Next week, we are going to be talking about setting some end of the year goals as we reset from the summer and shift into our busier times in the fall and the winter. And I want to thank you so much for listening. I am so very grateful. Thank you again to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams. Make sure you check out their blog, www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog, and I will see you next week.